Paul uh, uh, comes and he doesn't register a complaint. He is simply adding some instruction to a church that is maturing in the faith. And you know, in our unit, uh, we have one more lesson in this unit, uh, but it's about encouragement uh, from a tested servant. And, and, and what uh, this whole uh, unit uh, this month uh, has been about is uh, showing how God uh, provides comfort to his people in, in troubled times and provides hope and encouragement for a future that, you know, we are not going to be in this body uh, forever. But meanwhile, this, 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 these last two lessons uh, in the segment is to, uh, we're not, we're not uh, in, uh, we don't know, but uh, we, we're not making any plans right now to exit in the next 30 seconds or the next hour. Uh, so you're gonna be here. And in that 30 seconds, next hour or the next 50 years, you are going to be tested uh, in this walk with Christ. And so Paul shares with us this morning out of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12, 17 through 18. And we certainly uh, hope that it will be an encouragement to you. Um, I, I didn't hear all the discussion this morning, uh, but I hope you guys acknowledge uh, some of the uh, bereavements that we've had in uh, this particular uh, ministry. And um, we certainly want to pass that on uh, publicly and individually. Um, but the issue is not only just death and sickness and need for nurturing. The issue, as we see this morning, can be People just simply don't like you. Mm. We, we don't know why. See, we, we don't know why, but they just don't like you. This morning, we're going to, just a few minutes, not going to spend a lot of time on it because I know I'm not talking to any Corinthians today. I'm talking to Resurrectionites. Uh, but I just want to share with you, as you do ministry, what, at whatever level, there will always be challenges to your ministry. How you handle it. Remember we shared in uh, about four lessons ago, it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to what happens to you. And so Paul is gonna give us, show us, give us some encouragement, show us that. Here, here's what tested servanthood uh, looks like out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to ask uh, Sister Paulette Lovelace if you would unmute and be my reader uh, for a few minutes today. Uh, Sister Paulette Lovelace, would uh, today, uh, the title of our lesson, uh, authors have entitled Spiritual Weapons, Spiritual Weapons, uh, out of the unit that uh, is talking about encouragement from a, ter uh, a tested uh, servant. Uh, would you read verses one and two for us? And uh, Paul will uh, share with you 
give you a little quick intro into what's uh, happening in his life uh, with the church at Corinth. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. Paul, you know, it, there, there comes a point in time, Sister Davis, that you just get sick and tired of tired people. People who always got to be yakking and throwing stones at your ministry. The very people that you help, you know, Deacon Ford, you know who I'm talking about. You know, you know, talking about those people you spend the most time with in your ministry. They always got something critical to say about you. And in this particular case here, uh, there were certain false teachers who, you know, they, they were trying to get their agenda uh, uh, across. They, they, they didn't really care about edifying and, and building up uh, uh, the kingdom. They just wanted to be popular because of their speech, because of their appearance. And what Paul was a perfect target because Paul had accomplished so much. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ, sent, you know, uh, ordained, uh, you know, having that experience on the Damascus Road, a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, therefore uh, conferring upon him, Brother Davis, certain apostleship. And that will always be challenged. You can be in charge of taking out the trash and there'll be somebody who'll criticize you. I, 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 I ain't talking about something I heard. I'm telling you what I know. So don't think that just because, uh, uh, you know, you, you have accomplishments and that you're doing good in the ministry and you keep a low profile, you, you, you know, you deal with people on a on a meek uh, level, let's say, or on a humble uh, level, that you're going to be immune from criticism. Because this is one of the baddest brothers that has ever existed on the planet in the person of Paul. And he's getting criticized by the church at Shirts, by the church at Red Long Oaks. And what the accusation is, Steve, is that, oh, yeah, you big and bad when you write them letters. But when you come to us face to face, you ain't all that. When, when, when we see you in the flesh, we, we, we you know, one on one, you know, your letters, oh, they're scorching because you can hook it up. You know, you know how to write. You know how to, you got that great penmanship. You know, you got great command of the languages. But you ain't all that. What's your authority for telling us anything? And, and listen to what this servant says. This servant that is under attack. The, the, the deacons on the line, please, please open up your mics and, and make sure you hear, hear this. Here's what he says. <laughs> I beseech you, brothers, don't go there. You know, there's a line in, in one of the Madea movies where the brother 
who's a lawyer says, don't let this suit fool you. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, now, <laughs> look here, I and I can't, y'all better pull up. I've tried to come to you meekly and yet bold. I tried to come to you bold because my message that I have is bold. But don't understand my presence with you, uh, my demeanor in your presence as one that I'm weak. And he says, I know you think that I should war in the flesh when I'm with you. But I realize everything that you said about me is nothing but divine warfare. It's spiritual warfare. When you catch folk in a church and in an organization that's always just yuckety yuck 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 about the leadership or about authority, about you and your ministry, you can believe one thing. It ain't nothing but the devil. Oh, yes, I said it. The, the, the devil is going to be on your front row, second row, third row, fourth through the fifth and tenth and twelfth row in all sections. And if he sees you being elevated in authority, in ministry, and they seemingly are not, they will get the yakking. But Paul says you can be encouraged. Don't you play their game. And he says, I beseech you, don't go there. So let's follow that verse three and four. He's going to tell you why. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Let me tell you. Let me, let me, let me tell you, Sister Lovelace. Here's what he's saying. Because Sister Lovelace don't want to say it. She didn't say it right. She didn't read that verse right. That, that's why I really want to amplify. Because here's what Paul said. Let me tell you one thing. I'm a man just like anybody else. He said, but look here. You don't want to play the man game with me. Mm. I, I, I've got some spiritual tools. I got some weapons in my spiritual uh, uh, toolbox that I'll deal with. And, 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 and see, most folk by now, Sister Pillow, they've forgotten who Paul is. Paul was a terrorist. Paul persecuted Christians. Paul would rather have a Christian before noon than to have his lunch. So, so many times when you get in ministry, uh, Deacon Harmon, uh, uh, many folk will think because, oh, oh, that Steve is a nice, quiet. He's such a gentleman. He comes with such humbleness and all that. Don't let the suit fool you. Don't let the little Deacon cookie fool you. That's what Paul is saying. Paul says, I choose not to war in the flesh. Sister Paulette? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Yeah, see, what Paul says is that, yeah, I could probably pull my sword and act like Peter and cut your ear off. He says, but that, that's a fleshly, that's carnal warfare. And he says, what you're participating in is spiritual warfare. And the only way to defeat the devil is through the spirit. 
is with the help of the spirit. And Paul says, I, I could deal with you in the flesh, but I'm only going to deal with that which is effective. I'm going to deal with you in the spirit. Because that's what we're called to do. You're to be controlled by the spirit. There's a spirit in you. It is the Holy Spirit. And so every time people are, even though they can be dead wrong, Paul says, come to them, be bold, because the message is bold, but come humble. And this may make you look like, in some eyes, a wimp. This, this has got to be tough. Because of those of you who are serving, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. They're like, the more you do, the more folk criticize. But it ain't about you. It's about ministry. That's what Paul is trying to share with us this morning. Sister Lovelace, verse five. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yeah. Paul is simply saying here, Brother Davis, there's a lot of stuff people can throw at you out there. And they will be. And I know, you know, you're cool. You know, you, you got it made. You know, you, 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 you've got a resume that long. You know, uh, you know you're highly favored and you're a great uh, evangelism student. You know, you matriculated through the highest uh, institutions of uh, knowledge. But let me tell you something. There's some fools out there. There's some devils out there that I don't care what you got in your uh, 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 carnal uh, toolbox. You better use the spiritual weapons. And you'll find out more about that for those of you that are in the 104, uh, uh, basic through 104. Uh, in 105, you'll find out about that, that spiritual toolbox that Paul tells you. You're going to spend 12 weeks in 105 talking about fighting against this very thing. See, because most folk think that you've got been given a spiritual uh, a toolbox just to fight the world. But as I told you, the devil ain't worried about it. The devil ain't out in the nightclub today. The devil's right in church today. Mm -hmm. This is what Paul is showing us. And he says, you've got to fight the devil with uh, spiritual warfare. That this warfare is divine. And he says, it's got to be fought divinely by the spirit. Always keeping Christ at the forefront of everything you do. Everything, everything. Uh, verse six, uh, and that'll conclude our uh, gentleness and boldness in Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Yeah, see, when you do the right thing, that counteracts all the disobedience. So in other words, you're not out there uh, uh, fighting, you know, pulling guns. You remember, you know, in San Antonio, at one time, you know, it wasn't safe to go to church unless you were packing. Because, you know, even the preachers were pulling guns on uh, folk, you know. I remember that day. Sister Katrina, I remember that day. Preacher come out the pulpit, stuck a pistol in the deacon's mouth. 
See, that's, that's spiritual warfare. The devil just laughing because he you supposed to be preaching. He you supposed to be edified. Now that you don't let the devil stir all that mess up. Paul says, yeah, I could come at you carnal, but it's not a carnal warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. Verse seven and uh, eight. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? Mm -hmm. If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, uh -huh. that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Uh -huh. Now, right. you know what? That's interesting, uh, Sister Lovelace. You know why? Because Paul then turned telling you that it's, it's spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. Then he looks at the carnal aspect of it, what would seemingly be the carnal aspect, but he's still dealing with spiritual warfare. And, and let me show you, look at the question. Look at the interrogative there. He says, do you look at things after the outward appearance? Mm -hmm. See, Paul is getting to the heart of the matter, Brother Davis. What it is, a lot of times the people with uh, the greatest impact in ministry, the people with uh, uh, who have the sincereness of heart for uh, ministry leaders, uh, the, the congregation of that, they, they don't look the part. That's why that question is there. We'll follow a jack leg who's looking good, dressed well, and going to hell. We'll follow him. But it's just a regular old brother, a regular old sister, Common appearance. Oh no, that surely they can't have any authority. So Paul says, Are you just judging my appearance? See, because what had happened is the reason this question is there is that Paul had heard the comments. Hey, not only is he bad when he's writing them letters, he are bold when he's writing those letters. And then and then, you know. Uh, he, he's so humble when he's in our presence. When he's in our presence, he don't look the part. He don't look like he should be in charge. Well, tell me, what is a leader supposed to look like? Tell, tell me what a preacher is supposed to look like. Tell me what a pastor, tell me what a, a, a family church school teacher, tell me what a, 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 a ministry leader should look like. He says, you guys judge too much on appearances. And so those folk, that's why we have so much, that's why we have so much spiritual warfare is because we're elevating people in ministry who've not been tested, tried, and true. You know, we just, they look good. They sound good. They, you know, they look like they got the worldly skills in order to do ministry. But, 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 but they don't understand. This is not an organization. Ministry is not an organization. It's an organism. It's supernatural, a supernatural organism that is not predicated on how one looks. I'll give you just, uh, you know, I, I don't want you to change your opinion of Paul, but I, I'll give you the facts because you say, well, why would they be saying that? First of all, in many of the early depictions of Paul, which are probably the more a true depiction. Physically, Paul was not this big strap because you would think he was a big strapping with a booming voice. Nah, uh, he is said to have had uh, 
just uh, uh, almost a below average uh, speaking voice. And that from a physical standpoint, he, it is purported that he had a crooked nose and he had a bald head and he had nothing that would appeal to anybody on a physical level. So now they were making fun of him. They're not only testing his authority, but that's what they do. See, because when they can't test you in ministry, when they can't run up to you with the word, uh, Minister Brown, when they, when they can't uh, take open up the, the word and say, look here, this is what you're doing. and You're not doing this. Now. When they can't do that, they go to appearance. They go to things like appearance. They, they, they go things like gender. They go things like ethnicity. And they try to focus in on that point. Paul says, you guys judge by the outward appearance. But Paul was well aware. Only God. Because if God was looking for appearance, what Paul is saying is that he would have never chose him. He would have never chose this guy. Sister Lovelace, he says, if any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let he himself think this again. In other words, when you judge someone like that, listen to me, congregation. I ain't talking to deacons now. I'm talking to members of deacons. When you judge someone based on their appearance, I don't like deacon so-and-so because deacon so-and-so, he doesn't look like a deacon. You, you're missing out on your biggest blessing. Because if you go by looks, there's a whole bunch of great deacons on the bottom of the uh, totem pole. If you go by looks. You're looking for somebody who looks good or someone who can help you good? Which, which one? And that's all Paul is saying. He's saying, you're judging by the wrong criteria. You're judging my authority by the wrong. Why, why don't why don't they get, especially since they started Zoom, why don't they get somebody with a better looking face, a better speaking voice to lead these classes? Why don't they do that? That's why you have spiritual warfare in the church. You want pretty people in those positions instead of powerful people. Paul says, is this? This one, is this the way we do it? Say, so you better you better change your mind. Verse 8, uh, Sister Lovelace. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which uh -huh. the Lord had given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. You know what's really interesting? Why do you have to tell church folk? that I'm doing this for your good. I'm doing this for your edification. I'm not trying to build up my reputation. I'm not trying to, you know, be this great apostle amongst all apostles. Paul says, hey, that, that's why there was more than one chose. Every time, that, that, that's why, you know, uh, uh, Deacon Harmon not uh, running to be the, the best deacon in the church. He, 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 he's not politicking. He just wants to be in the service of the Lord to help his people to stay in his lane. And we're going to get to that. See, Paul says a lot of this criticism 
is coming because people don't want to stay in their lanes. Whenever people think, see, one of, one of the worst things in the world, I wish all the gifts uh, were, were not showing or they all were showing. Because it seems that like people with the showy gifts that you can really touch, you know, they're gravitated to, they're, they're pull, uh, uh, held in great esteem. But there's some gifts that you don't see that are so powerful, that are so powerful, that are demonstrated. There are ministries that go on day in and day out in this church that if it wasn't for those ministries, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing right now. But you never hear anything about those folks. Why, why would you criticize them? And, that, and that's what happens, Davis. You know, all this time you've been in, you know, behind the scenes. And now I make an announcement. Davis is over here. He's been given authority to mature the saints. I, I, it, is, it is so difficult. They don't, you, you don't know the prayer that goes into uh, uh, looking at uh, uh, evangelism and discipleship teachers. Because as soon as you single out one, they were the greatest person in the world until they seem like they, they're now being elevated. They are being judged differently now. Paul says, I could boast on my accomplishments, but I won't. Not time for boasting. It's time for being. Paul says, all I'm doing is staying in my lane. I'm staying in my lane, staying out your way, and you over there talking about me. You can't even take care of your lane for worrying about my lane. Now, I, I, I could boast. You want to talk about accomplishments? I can give you the mic. Y'all can tell me about your great accomplishments. But it's not about comparing and competing. And Paul will address that shortly. Paul is simply saying, be encouraged. When you're in ministry, people uh, are going to want to hear about your accomplishments. They want to hear you boast. Oh, I got 5,000 in my church. <laughs> Y'all just listen to the numbers and let it go. It went in and out there. Because as a matter of fact, if they were running polygraphs on every time a preacher took the pulpit and told about how many members he got, Steve, <laughs> the polygraph machine would just go. As a matter of fact, they should do that. They should on the screen. Every time somebody gets up talking about I got this, you don't know what you got. You're not boasting anything. It's not about you. It's about what God, the privilege that God has given you. And Paul, Paul says, I, I could boast, but I, I'm, I'm not. He says, and when I tell you something, it may sound like I'm boasting, but really it's for your edification, not your destruction. I wouldn't, one of the greatest fears, and for those who've been in my, from the church school class for any time. I, I, I used to often say that um, one of my greatest fears is to be able that, uh, that I would one day tell somebody something that is not correct. 
that is just totally off the chain, that I, I, I would become spiritually delusional. That, that's one of the great fears. Anybody who's sharing on a regular basis should have that fear. It's not nothing to boast. Oh, there have been countless lives that have been saved, built up, restored, repaired. But guess what? It's no time for boasting. And when I, when Paul is giving some examples, see, because in the what, what you don't see in this particular in the previous two chapters, Paul was telling these folk that they're acting just like the children of Israel. You're not being grateful for what's being done. You think that any instruction is for your destruction, but it's not. It's for your edification. So it's Paulette, verse 9 and 10. That I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. Mm -hmm. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, mm -hmm. but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Cora, do you hear these people on your birthday talking like this? Now, you see that verse 9, it says that I may not seem as if it would terrify you by letters. In other words, it, it's uh, the stuff that I write, the stuff that I'm teaching in my letters. I, I mean, it's heavy. It, it's, it, it's tough. It, it's tight but it's right. Then he said, for my letters, they do seem weighty. My letters, they do seem very bold. And you were saying, how could a guy write this? And then when and he's present with us, seems so meek and mild. Paul says, I could be stronger in your presence, but you wouldn't like it. I, I, th there are a lot of things in ministry where folk are going to run up to you, get all up in your face. They're going to look at the procedures that you've written or the dictates that you've uh, uh, flowed down or some principle, and they're going to say, you know what? Hell yeah, you in person, you, you ain't all that. They just don't know. But if they thought for just one minute, there was a time when this brother wasn't saved. Would I run up in his face when he wasn't saved? There's a time when this sister was not saved. Suppose she has a relapse. Be careful what you ask for. Paul is simply saying, I do have this dynamic personality. I do have this boldness uh, in, my, in, in my letters. And he says, I try to temper that because it's just like in the 103 uh, class where we teach, you got to say it, but you ought to say it with love. And Paul says, when I write my letter, I can be very bold, but I want you to see the tender side. I want you to see the love that I have for this ministry 
when I'm in person. So I may not come off in the flesh, personal, up front, the way that I come off uh, on the Zoom call. See, because there's a whole bunch of impressions that folk get about you when they're not able to physically touch you. And, and a lot of folk have formed opinions simply because they've never truly been in your presence, even if you were physically together. They're, they're, they're folk, and, and, and I'll testify because Steve is too modest. They're, they're, they're folk that have talked uh, about me. Uh, uh, but, but guess what? They always talk to, uh, about me to other folk. They don't ever come and tell me. I wonder why that is. And you know why it is? It's because in my presence, they think that I'm, I, hey, I'm just a big old teddy bear. In my letters, in my teacher, I, I'm the same way. I'm animated, no matter how you get me. But if I see a situation is about to get volatile, that's the calmer I get. Because you don't want me to go there. You don't want me in the flesh. You're trying to get me in the flesh. I don't want to be in the flesh. I've been in the flesh before. I know what will be said in the flesh. And I know one thing. Uh, in my early days, you would not win either the, 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 the linguistic battle or the physical battle. Now, I'll assure you that it's wholly linguistic. But nevertheless, I've got some things in my spiritual too bad. I got to put on the helmet of salvation. I got to put on the breast plate of truth because I'm in a spiritual battle. You, you know what they've said. And some of you, you, you know about it. And they said, well, I, I can't tell Dick Sneed that he'll go on. You can tell me because all I'm going to do is pray for him. Talk about me as much as you please. The more you talk, I'm just going to bend my knees and I ain't just a song. Paul is saying, yes, I am different up front, up close, but I'm not compromising the message. You may not think of as much about me once you see me and feel me, but I'll not compromise the message. Sister Lovelace, verse 11 and 12. Let such and one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, I, I need to vote. Y'all don't need to unmute the vote. How, how many of y'all does that scripture there make any sense to? <laughs> All right, if it makes sense, raise your hand. If it don't break, no, if it don't make sense, raise your hand. Dare not make ourselves. That's, this brother has slid one unknown, you know, because he's saying, what you're doing when you judge me, my presence, my letters, he says, you're doing two things. He says, you are comparing yourself to me. And he says, then you're comparing me to yourself. He says, but whether you do it 
or you don't do it, when you compare, you're using the wrong yardstick. You're trying to compare me to you. And you want me to compare you to you. Because what Paul is saying, look, look here. Oh, I realize that some of y'all are good looking, you're tall, and y'all can really, y'all got some really philosophical and creative uh, ideas. He says, I understand all of that. He says, but what you don't see in me, you can't compare because you don't see it. And he says, what you see in me, you shouldn't compare. Because if you're comparing me to you, you're using the wrong yardstick. When, when, when you tell someone, I don't do that. Uh, I, don't, I, don't do, I don't do it like Sister Pillow. I, I don't do it like Fred Jeffrey. Well, first of all, you're using the wrong yardstick. Do you do it like Christ? Uh, hey, 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 that'll settle it all. Mm -hmm. Tree, you do it like Christ? How, 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 you, how are you going to compare yourself to Cora Randall? Mm -hmm. You need to be comparing yourself to Christ. See, because you know when you compare yourself to Christ, you know you, 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 you come short. Mm -hmm. you, you don't measure up. And they will never compare themselves with Christ. They will always compare and compete with you. And, 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 and like I stated on last week, one of the great enemies of competence is comparison. It's simply because people don't want to get in their lane. I don't do deacon ministry like Deacon Ford or Deacon Harmon or Deacon Richardson and that great Deacon Newsom and that great uh, Deacon JJ. I don't do my, my members will tell you that. But that ain't the comparison. Does the job get done? And does the job, because we're coming up on 17 and 18, focus on Christ rather than you? Who are you doing it for? Who are you doing it for? Who's the, who's the best preacher? I don't like to preach. Well, I ain't going uh, to church today because so-and-so is preaching. And uh, I'm not. What are y'all talking about? If it's a word from the Lord, Steve Harmon can bring it. Anybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Steve. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't care. If it's a word from the Lord, I, I, I don't have to have a smooth swap, you know, all the great production. Just tell me. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Just tell me, uh, not by works of righteousness, which I, we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and regeneration. Just as long as you say, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish. Just as long as they say, this battle is not yours, it's the Lord. As long as they can come with the message, I don't worry about the package. And Paul says, you shouldn't either. Stop comparing. Stop competing. And don't pit 
ministry leaders against one another. Don't pit preachers against preachers, ministers against uh, ministers, deacons against deacons, uh, ushers against ushers, greeters against greeters. Don't do it. Paul says, I've been through all that. And I just want to share with the church at resurrection. Don't make that same mistake. But understand that there are those that are around that still will test. They will try the servant. And Paul says, I just want to encourage you this morning. Just do what the Lord say do. Know that you are in God's will and do it. Verse 17 and 18, uh, Sister Lovelace. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not, for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. <laughs> so in other words, everything you do, uh, sister, uh, uh, my favorite, my favorite Zoom host is uh, Brother Davies. Now, now, Sister Pillow got her mouth stuck out. But Paul says here, if Brother Davis is doing it, he needs to be doing it for the glory of the Lord. Not for any prestige that he gets. You can always tell folk that really uh, uh, want to do something for the Lord. You know why? Because first of all, they don't have to be big to do it. And when they do it, they do it diligently. When we started this Zoom, I'll stop here just for a minute, just before y'all let y'all go. So there ain't no mistake. You know, you know, you know, what? You know, we got these Zoom hosts, you know. You know what? The two people that are uh, hosting today, they're the people who sign up and say, hey, Bruce Nate, I'll, I'll be happy to do this for you. If somebody teach me how to do it. And then when they learn how to do it, they taught somebody else how to do it. They weren't doing it for their glory. They were doing it because, hey, there's a need. The people that serve in family church school throughout the ministry, what, physically or whether, you'd be wondering, why is Sister Ogletree always asking, encouraging folk? You know why? Because she was asked to do it years ago. And just because we're not physically meeting doesn't mean that she should lay off her job. You could always tell folk who are really engaged about when wherever there's adversity, you find out why they are doing something. Not fussing, just edifying. And I'll try to be more gentle in person. So if one of you want to reach out and touch me, you know, I mean, physically touch. But Paul says, what I do, I do for the Lord. What you do, you ought to do it for the Lord. And he tells you why. He says, for not he that commended himself is approved, but whom the Lord commended. So in other words, the reason why you need to do it for the Lord and the, the way that you know it's done for the Lord is how well God blesses it. Can't nobody move you out of that lane as long as you've got God's approval. They can try, they can try to cut you off. They can try to uh, 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 dislocate your ministry. They could try to shut down your ministry. But if God has approved it, they're fighting the Lord. 
they can't win. And if they can't win, if they can't bring down, if they can't beat God, and God is on your side, you stick with the Lord. You, you do it for the Lord. Don't do it for any other reason. This is our encouragement from Paul, the apostle. Just reminding us in this Corinthian series that yes, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trying times, but God is the God of all comfort. And yes, even when you're doing your very best, you know, uh, uh, you know, God is taking you through some things, so justification, sanctification, and glorification. He says, but in reality, today, he says, come back down to earth. I realize you're all happy. You're all ready to go up to heaven, get your glorified bodies. He says, but until that time, you've got to glory in the Lord right here by doing what the Lord has called you, skilled you, equipped you to do, because nobody can do it the way you do it. And he says, if you're doing it for the right reason, you don't ever have to worry about comparing yourself to anybody else. You just do what a saint gotta do. Look at here, I'll catch y'all on the other side. Y'all be good.